0: Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive.
1: We are talking to you this morning with another great podcast here on the Money Advantage And I'm Rachel Marshall. We've got Bruce Weiner with us today as well, my co host. And today we're talking about how to use infinite banking in your business. So, this is a question that I think has come up several times lately. And while we've talked about it way in the past, I want to say probably about a year and a half ago, we have not talked about it recently and not again all in one place. I'm really a fan of having a piece of content that you can go to, to get your questions answered. That's all in one place. So today we're going to talk about that, about how to use infinite banking in your business. Now, if you're not familiar with infinite banking, this would be a really great question to ask yourself instead, instead of how to apply infinite banking in my business, maybe you're asking, how can I improve my credit worthiness? How can I improve my financial stability? How can I have better cash reserves or a better place to store cash reserves in my business? where can I maximize my profitability in business? And we want to show you how infinite banking allows you to do all of these things and more. So today we're talking about not only how to apply infinite banking in your business, but how to boost your business's financial performance with infinite banking. So we're going to talk about how to store capital in an infinite banking policy and how doing that can serve your business. We're going to Also, discuss, and there's not a one size fits all answer to this, but we're going to talk about who should own the policy, who should be the beneficiary of the policy, who should be the insured on the policy, who can use the policy, and how do you best leverage this tool that we've referred to as a bunker and as a Swiss Army knife? How do you best use and leverage that in your business? So, if we're hitting something that's important to you, I'd love for you to pop in the comments and say, Yes, this is important to me. And here's my specific question about how to use infinite banking in my business. Hopefully we'll answer what's already on your mind, but we'd love to hear your questions and thoughts directly. If you're catching the episode after it's live, you can also always send us an email at hello at or you can still comment on the video via Facebook and YouTube. Now, Bruce, Thank you so much for um, just even suggesting that we talk about this today and for your expertise that I know is going to come to the table pre- tremendously and profoundly in this episode. Good morning.
0: Morning. Yes. So uh, this is, once again, I just want the listeners to understand that um, simplicity is the key here. Don't make this out to be more than what um, it really is. And uh, we'll go through this uh, step by step, and, but just keep it in mind that simplicity is the key here.
1: I love that. I love that. All right. So um, let's just jump right in. So first, if you are brand new to this concept, and I'm going to check the chat and hopefully be able to catch your comments live as well. If you're new to this whole idea of infinite banking in the first place, I'd love to just give you a very quick overview. What in the world is this term called infinite banking? It came to be when Nelson Nash took this idea of saying, we can store cash in a whole life insurance policy. In fact, he was looking for cash and realized that he had it right under his own nose in his infinite banking policy, which was not called infinite banking at the time. It was just a whole life insurance policy that had a death benefit, had cash storage inside of it. And he was almost oblivious up to this time that he could use and leverage this cash. He was taking loans from the bank for his business And he was um, thinking about paying in his business, but he was not thinking about, oh, I have this capital available to use. So he kind of popularized the term infinite banking, the infinite banking concept. And he wrote a book called um, Becoming Your Own Banker to talk about how to use whole life insurance in this profoundly useful way. And again, the strategy is not new. People have been using this since life insurance has existed for like, I don't know, 170 years or so. And... It has been a place to store cash for a long time. Generations and generations ago have used this powerful tool. So it is life insurance. It is specially designed for high early cash accumulation. It's a dividend paying policy It's with a mutual company. And we're also making sure when you have an infinite banking policy that it's not only as much early cash that you can touch and use as possible, but it's also as much long-term growth. And so that is really what an infinite banking policy is. Um, we have lots of episodes that you can go back to and dig in. Bruce, is there anything that you feel is really important that we communicate about infinite banking before we kind of dig into how to use it in your business?
0: No, I think you hit it well. Um, you know, I, I actually knew Nelson personally, and we talked about this uh, a lot. And I actually used. I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I've actually used um, my whole life policies that I had before I even uh, met Nelson uh, mm-hmm. to actually purchase my first two homes, and then and then repaid them for the from the down payments, or I used it for the down payments and then repaid them. So th- once again, I I just want the listeners to understand that this is not this is not something that is uh, very unusual. This is something that is very um, Easy to do. Um, the concept is something that you have to understand. That you do have to capitalize. You have to think long term. Nelson used to say that all the time: think long term. I find it interesting, Rachel, that business owners often think long term with their business, but then when they look at infinite banking, they want to look at it short term.
2: Mm.
0: You know, like well, how much cash can I have now? And um, this is this is part of the. This is part of the setup of the, um, or what Nelson used to say, the art, the art uh, of getting long-term benefits side-by-side with the short-term benefits. So we'll talk a little bit about that as we go along.
1: You know, I really like that you shared that. And I can't even remember which book I was digging into the other day, but um, this is a little bit off topic, but not really. So this is Complete Family Wealth, and this is Family Wealth. And Family Wealth was written first, but this is James E. Hughes, Jr. And then he was the same author here, but he had two co-authors, including Keith Whitaker, who we've had on the show. And what's interesting is that they talk about the family as being an enterprise. What's interesting about that is that if you think in terms of long-term, he said, often we can get stuck in this idea of long-term means five years. And he said, if you're really thinking about a long-term business, you're thinking in terms of 100 years or even more than that. You're not thinking, even in a 20-year increment, he said, what you do day-to-day or quarter-by-quarter or even year-to-year is just a little tiny blip on the radar of what real long-term even is. And if you're, you're going to make your best decisions in your business, if you think truly long-term, which is over multiple generations, not just The next year or the next five years, which I think is a really perfect fit with the idea of infinite banking, as you're talking about this long term wealth builder, this long term wealth creation tool that is really profound to use in your business. And the longer range you look, the better decisions you're going to make today. So, Bruce, let's just start from off the bat. What do you see as the biggest reason to use infinite banking? In your business,
0: yeah. So I mean, once again, it's simple. It's just it's a place to store or warehouse your capital, and it's just an alternative place from the bank, and it has multiple other benefits um, that the bank, the banking industry, does not have. Um, the banking industry obviously has some uh, benefits that um, the whole life insurance uh, strategy um, doesn't have. But they are, they are minimal compared to, the, uh, the like you said earlier, the Swiss Army knife of whole life. So it's simply a place to, Nelson wrote a book, Warehouse, warehouse Your Wealth. Mm-hmm. So where are you going to store your capital? And a business always, if they're successful, is always going to have capital that it wants to store. Now, a good business owner, does want that capital to do something for him
2: mm-hmm. and
0: unfortunately this has come to the to to the forefront that infinite banking is becoming even more prevalent because as the great recession happened and federal reserve drove down interest rates uh, business owners are finding that the money market accounts that they used to leave their capital in at the bank are now paying very little some people would even call it next to nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so business owners have started to look for other places that they can store their wealth. Business owners in general, um, I would say are risk takers, but they're risk tak- they're calculated risk takers. So in their own business, they're willing to take calculated risk, but with their capital, they do not want to take risks. They want that capital to be available to them. And that is where, Having guarantees in your your specially designed whole life insurance contracts is is very uh, eye-opening to them.
1: Yeah, I think what's really interesting about this whole idea is that if you, and Bruce, you said this really well, you said if you are um, successful as a business owner. And what's really interesting about this is that I see many reasons to use the cash value of an infinite banking policy in your business. And first, if you go back to the idea that you are making money, which is your revenue in the business, that's all the money that is your income, but only a portion of that's profit. And if you are choosing at whatever stage of business you are right now to be profitable and you are paying yourself first and you're taking your profit or building your profit account before paying your operating expenses the way that Mike was would talk about, in his book, Profit First, you're in a position where you're storing that profit somewhere. So either it's being stored in the business or you're paying it to yourself as maybe a K-1 or distribution or a dividend to yourself as the business owner, but you're in a position where you're not spending everything you make. And this is an ideal position for any business to be in. This doesn't matter if you're starting right now or if you've been in operation for a really long time. What you want to do is be profitable. And that profit then, if you're looking for a place to store it, why would you store your your capital reserves? Well, obviously you're in a position where you may have times where you have large capital expenses. You could have your taxes that are due at a given point in the year. And that's not a typical monthly expense. You might be paying them quarterly or even annually. So that's going to be a big ticket item. Or you might have large inventory purchases, or you might have a situation where you're paid, um, where you have to acquire your... Uh, your, what's the word I'm looking for? Your um, supplies to be able to do a job. Maybe you're a builder and you have to go, yeah, your inventory. You have to gather your inventory, your materials. You have this outgoing cost before you're going to be paid. And so sometimes you're paid on the back end of a job where you have to front the capital up front and you're in a position where you need the capital to buy those materials. And yes, it's great to be able to have your credit accounts and the opportunity to have a business loan. But it's really good if you have your own place to pull that capital from and you're not dependent just on favorable lending or the cash coming from the bank and the business loan right when you need it or having to use that business credit card. So you might be in a position where your income is cyclical and you're in a position where the expenses are flat and your revenue may be in a up month right now and you have a lot of profit in that month. And you may have another month where your profit is much narrower or even negative because your revenue is low, but your expenses are higher than that. And due to the nature of your specific business. And when you have things like that, you still are going to be needing to make payroll. You still need to pay all of your expenses in the business. You want a place to draw from that's going to make you not feel that cash crunch and feel like it's an emergency in your business. And so, There's so many ways. I mean, it could be acquiring another business. It could be extending your current business, hiring somebody. It could be hiring a coach. It could be a new marketing strategy. I mean, Bruce, I'm sure you could think of a thousand other reasons why you would need a large pool of capital to pull from in a business.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not even going to try to uh, talk about those other reasons, but I am going to talk about how Nelson said that infinite banking was an infinite way of using your imagination on how you're going to use it.
2: Mm, I like that.
0: So um, business owners tend to be very creative in their thinking on how they can do things. So this is just another tool to use in your creative thinking.
1: I like that. All right. So, Bruce, let's talk about then – If somebody in business is saying, okay, well, if I want to use privatized banking or infinite banking, synonymous terms for the same thing here, to store my capital, how quickly after I pay premiums is my cash available to use? And now we talk about this all the time on the personal side, but it applies to the business side too. So let's talk about that first.
0: Yeah, this is this is probably one of the things that is most, um, I would say most Talked about nowadays in the infinite banking um, avenue, uh, people are discussing design, and I and I tell people all the time is that um, there should be a starting place for design, and Nelson has established that starting place to have the art of the balance between long-term growth, death benefit, and immediate cash value um, access. And so we always try to start this where you're going to have anywhere between 25 and 35%, uh, averaging about 30% of a base policy, which then, and we, we're not going to get into that in this particular podcast, but what that means is then you're going to have anywhere between 70 and 75% of your premium available after approximately 30 days when everything is the check clears and so on and so forth. So in reality, Let's just talk about this. So let's say you you put in a $100,000 premium and as a business owner in 30 days, you'd have access to about $70,000 of that capital. <clears throat> now this comes up all the time and says, well, I don't want to give up that $30,000 that I don't have access to. What are the benefits of giving up that access to 30,000? Well, the first benefit is, is that it actually boosts up the death benefit. Okay. That's, and that can be very important uh, as far as Secession planning, it can be very important as far as, we'll talk about this in a little bit later, and as far as about buy-sell agreements. Um, And it also is very important in long-term growth, if you believe interest rates will eventually go back up. It's very, very important for that. So, and what I tell a business owner that has, you know, I I recently saw a business owner that has uh, $1.6 million sitting in uh, cash. And he says, well, I don't want to put $100,000 in there and give up $30,000. I said, think about it. It's not like you're giving up uh, the $30,000 and only have access to $70,000. You still have $1.5 million sitting in your cash account. So <laughs> it's, you still have plenty of capital. And then I simply asked this question, and I want the listeners to think about this. Um, are you Are you going to spend all that $1.5 million at one time anyway? And the answer is always, no, I would never let my cash account get that low. Mm -hmm. So then are you really worried about that lack of $30,000 of lack of liquidity? And you have to balance between the two. What am I getting for that? Higher death benefit, higher future growth. So this is the kind of thing that you have to do when you evaluate it. I bring all this up, Rachel, because I don't believe we should even be hard and fast on the 30% base average because some business owners are actually going to need 50%. Be- and Why 50%? Because they want a bigger death benefit, guaranteed. Some business owners may even decide to do a 60 or 70 or, or even a 100% base policy. And that is very uh, eye-opening in the uh infinite banking world because the, there's people out there that say all oh, the best the best design is 10% base and 90 and that's what everybody should be doing and i think that's very dangerous to talk about that because that means that you have not even talked to business owners and see what their needs are
2: mm-hmm. and
0: so this is this is how we evaluate all this as we talk to an individual business owner on where they want to warehouse their capital so you have to think long range 5, 10, 20, 50, and like you said before, even a 100 years because most business owners with their business want this thing to continue after them, and so they want to set it up properly. What's, what's a better way to inject capital into a business long-term is by a leveraged death benefit, which will put a lot of capital into the business once you're, as Nelson used to say, once you graduate from this planet.
1: I loved his perspective on that as well. I actually, Bruce, I want to thank you for the opportunity to meet Nelson Nash. When I first met you, I was also able to meet Nelson Nash at that same event. And it was really awesome to be able to sit down with him, have lunch with him, hear his perspective. And I think at the time, so he passed away a couple of years ago when he was 88, right? Mm -hmm. So I think he was in the ballpark of 85. It was just so cool to see his long-term wisdom that had been accumulated through years and years of doing this and his humility too. Um, anyway, so that was just really profound. So that was, I think a really eye-opening perspective on the availability of cash value. Now there's so many more areas we want to cover. We have several comments coming in. Thank you for being part of the conversation. We'll get to the comments in a little bit. Um, so first let's talk about funding and we're going to cover some of what is in the comments as well. So that's why I wanted to go ahead with our plan here and then we'll address comments at the end. So for funding, how could you fund a policy that you're going to use for business. So this, again, I just want to be really clear. There is not one size fits all. There are so many different objectives that you might be trying to accomplish that it matters. Your goals matter and your financial picture matters before we can just say all business policies should be set up with this structure and with this beneficiary and with this Insured And with this owner, you cannot say that. So here's one interesting thing. You can fund your policy with profit. So say you are making 5 million in revenue, and maybe you have 3 million in expenses, that's 2 million of profit, you could have your profits funding a whole life insurance policy. You could even think about funding with more than just the profitability portion and even fund with more of your full revenue, which Bruce, and I know we're going to talk about some strategies on using that. And that would be thinking of paying more of your expenses out of a whole life insurance policy. You could even then think about funding with the owner's income as opposed to the business income at all. And so there's reasons to do any of these. So it could be that, you know, Bruce and I were owners of our companies. And we pay ourselves an income, and then we personally fund a whole life insurance policy that has a business use, not only a personal use. So there's a lot of different ways that you can structure this. Bruce, do you want to talk about how you could fund? I don't think there's one answer of how you should fund, but how could you fund
0: a? Yeah, the, infinite yeah, let's banking the, policy? let's do the the obligatory uh, disclosure right here. You know, <laughs> we are we are not tax professionals, um, and taxes and how you do this and who funds it and when you fund it and so on and, so forth. and if you can get um, <clears throat> can take the deduction on the premium all this <clears throat> there's, there's a variety of different tax codes and um, the, the bottom line is is that um, obviously you could fund it with profits personally okay so um, the business has profits they pay it out to you you fund it like that Okay. You can fund it with the business profits before they flow out. Um, So then there's less tax ramifications. However, you need to check with your tax professional because there are tax laws that say if you deduct the premium, then, and I think this is one of the questions on YouTube, um, you can actually, if you deduct the premium, then the death benefit can potentially be taxable. Okay. So that's a very important thing to have a uh, discussion with your, with your tax. I would do it with a tax attorney, not a, not a tax uh, accountant. I would do it with a tax attorney to det- determine that. Um, and the way that I think that uh, a lot of business owners that I run into, and I do this personally, and I know you do too, is to fund part of it with revenue from the business so that the revenue actually boosts up the amount of premium you can pay, and then you actually use the cash value to pay for normal business expenses, which the biggest one is taxes. Or you can also use it to pay for expansion in your business. I have several business clients that do that. You can do it for smaller expenses, like I just went to a $2,000 seminar and I, I used it for that. And people are always confused all the time, Rachel, when we talk about this. Why would you want to put the money in the policy in the form of a premium and then borrow against it to go use it for something? Why do I want to pay interest on this? And we'll get into this a little bit later. But the key component of this is every single stinking bit of premium that you put into the policy. Gets an uninterrupted compound growth
2: Mm
0: -hmm. that you can now use to boost the cash value into the future. Mm -hmm. And it also boosts the death benefit and other benefits such as long term care that you have on the policy and so on and so forth. So those are the ways, those are the three ways with profit from the business, with revenue from the business, or the owner simply, you know is paid out, and they have a w two or ten ninety nine however they are set up tax wise, and then they fund the, bit, the fund the policy. There are some other things we're going to get into um, the ownership, I think right now, but that, those are my thoughts for right now.
1: Yes, and so the reason we kind of broke it down into these components is that this is it can be a complex conversation. We're trying to make it as simple as possible, and again, please hear our heart on this. It matters. It depends on what you're trying to accomplish, and it depends on your specific situation. So that is a few ideas of how you can fund the premium of a whole life policy used for your business. Let's talk about the ownership, who should own the policy. So what this means is, and I know, Bruce, we've talked about this many times before, you really have, I mean, I believe three parties. You have the owner of the policy. The owner is the person who can use the policy. You have the insured who is the person whose life is insured by the policy does not have to be the same person. Then you have the beneficiary who is the person who is paid out the death benefit proceeds of the life insurance policy. Now this can be structured any different way. So let's talk about the owner portion who can own the policy. I want to just mention here, the business can own the policy or the business owner you Personally, can own the policy. There's reasons for either. Um, Bruce, do you want to comment on those at this point?
0: Well, yeah, let's just let me review this again real quickly. Um, ownership, insured, beneficiary. The only thing you cannot change, obviously, is the insured person, because that's who the underwriters determine. The ownership can be changed by the owner anytime that they would like. So they can say, I'm going to transfer ownership to another person or entity. An entity could be a trust. It could be another. It could be another um, limited liability corporation. Anything like that. Then the owner can decide who the beneficiary is going to be. Okay, that
1: can also change. The beneficiary <laughs> can, can be change. changed,
0: so that so, so they can change the um, ownership. We had this question on YouTube. They're they're asking, can we? Can you change out the ownership and the beneficiary? Can, it, can the, the business own it and then give it to an employee, for an example? Uh, so that would be corporate-owned life insurance, which is called COLI. We've talked about Boley before on the podcast, bank-owned life insurance. Corporately-owned life insurance is similar. And, and there's a variety of reasons why you would actually take the and change the ownership and give it to the employee. This is called deferred compensation. And mm-hmm. le- let me get into this just really briefly. So the the corporation would go to an insurance company and say I want to own life insurance. I'm going to insure an employee. It could be a key a key employee in your business
1: or or one of the or, owners who you might be another an employee owner, as well. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And then the beneficiary will be the corporation, or you can actually split the beneficiary. And this is all an agreement between you and the employee. An employee, You can say, if you die, 70% will go to the, the business, 30% will go to your family, or you can negotiate that 50-50, however you want to do it. Now, why would, a, why would an employee give up this? Well, they would say, Okay, but we're we're paying the premiums, okay? So the corporation's paying the premiums, so that's why they would give up some of the, the death benefit. However, what you can do in these is you can say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to fund these for five years or six years or seven years, whatever the agreement is. Once that agreement is fulfilled, you've stayed around for that time period. Let's say it's five years. We are going to transfer ownership to you, and now you're going to get all the cash value and all the death benefit for you and your family. Now, here's the tax, the tax implication here, is the premiums are being paid by the corporation, and they because they're paying that, they are actually getting a um, deduction.
2: The, tax deduction on the premium. You know, the transfer premium.
0: it to the employee, that is compensation. So that is income. That is income. But what the, so they have to put that on their, their uh, uh, tax return that year. But what they simply do then is they borrow against the cash value to pay for the taxes. So they don't have the full cash value available, but now they have uh, a policy that their family has a death benefit and they still have cash left in the policy um, to use however they want into the future. So those are the, the types of ownerships. Also, we do it as you said on um, owners and we, I, I've already talked about this on another podcast and it, it has happened and unfortunately, it has also happened where people, where owners did not have um, death benefits on each other. And then when one of them dies, the other one has to do one of two things. They, has to, they have to continue to pay out profits to the estate, or they have to figure out where to come up with capital to buy out the estate, which is normally of, the spouse. Of
1: the, of the, the deceased that business partner who's died. Who owned yes. half the company and their estate still owns half the company, even though they're no longer in the business, which means you're in business with all their family members that you may not want to be in business with.
0: Well, it's a, I mean, it's not only that, Rachel, but think about this. It's, um, you, you had two owners that presumably were doing 50% of the work, mm-hmm. presumably. And now one owner dies and you either have to have a family member come in and help the business. Or like you said, maybe none of them are competent enough to do it, or you want to work with them. So now you're doing 100% of the work for only 50% of the profits. Mm-hmm. It's not an ideal situation. So having insurance on each other is a very good way to leverage up to pay for the, the valuation to buy the other person out, the, the other estate out. And this can be a combination of whole life and term. You know, mm-hmm. a, a, along the way, um, but th- those are reasons why you would want to have ownership of the business of key of uh, key employees, and how you can actually transfer that ownership uh, very easily because the owner gets to call all those shots.
1: I love that you brought up the idea of being able to transfer the ownership. I think that's a really important key to this whole thing that, if, for instance, There's two business partners, and you're in a position where both of those are insured. The business can own the policies on them. The business could transfer ownership to each other or the family members, depending on if you want to use it as key man or executive bonus or a buy-sell agreement, which we can again um, flesh out a little bit more towards the end, but Bruce, I really love that you shared the flexibility piece, I think is really the most important thing to keep in mind that these two people might be insured, but the ownership can change and the beneficiary can change. Whereas the corporation might be the beneficiary or the family members might be the beneficiary, or the opposite person's family member might be the beneficiary. So it's just it's very interesting to be able to make those
0: changes. The last thing the last thing we talk about is with the business is <clears throat> If they do take loans against the cash value, which we would in, we would encourage, is there's going to be interest on that loan because it's a loan just like if it's a loan from the bank, loan from a private investor, so on and so forth. Is that tax deductible? <clears throat> this is a, something else that you need to talk to your tax attorney about because there are specific laws on this. The short answer is yes, in most cases at least a portion of that interest is tax deductible. But we can't comment on all the the situations right now, but you need, because every business sets up differently and every interest is deducted differently, so your tax attorney would be able to tell you whether that interest is is deductible or not.
1: And I think what's important to know about that piece is that... You could be in a situation where the business can use the cash value of a policy, even if they're not the, I'm sorry, even if they're in a position where they haven't funded the policy. So let's think about this for a second. You could be in a position, here's two business owners, and either, let's just say the corporation has bought the life insurance. So the corporation is the owner. They're the payer of this policy they have the ability to use the cash value. So the business can borrow against the policy and repay loans. There's also though, if say I'm an owner in the business and I did not fund from the corporation's checkbook, instead, I waited until the money flowed into my personal hands and my personal economy. And I've funded this policy, which I own personally on my own life. I then can take my cash value and I can provide a loan to my business. The business then repays the loan. And so they have the loan repayment and interest coming over to me personally. So there's multiple ways that you can structure this. I just want to be really clear that just because you have set up a personal life insurance policy does not mean you can't use it for business purposes. So I don't know if I'm saying that clearly. Let's take no, the negatives like out.
0: It's like an individual loan from a, yes. from a private investor. Yes. That's not all it is—it's a private loan. You just happen to be the private person lending to your particular business or corporation. Yes. It's not, not that complicated.
1: So all I'm saying by that is that just because you you are a business owner, you've set up a policy on yourself that you personally own, and you, John Smith, personally are funding this policy. You still have the opportunity to use it for business purposes during the lifetime of that policy, you can use the cash value for business purposes. Also, if my company, John Smith LLC, purchased the property or the um, policy, and they are the payer of this policy, you also can use that for business purposes. Hey, Rachel,
0: let's pivot a little bit here because uh, on YouTube, James is saying that um, he's interested in ultimately piping everything, payroll expenses, business, so on and so forth. Let's let's talk a little bit about. There's limitations on this, and these limitations. There's two limitations on this. Uh, I pump as much as I can um, through this, but the limitations are twofold. One is the more you pump in, the higher the death benefit. And there's limitations on the insurance companies put limitations on how much death benefit you can have. It's 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 not. Um, And it's it's about your net worth. It's about your cash flow. But it's also about they want you to be successful in funding the policy. So they put limitations on this. I'm not going to go into all those limitations because there's a plethora of different reasons. But then the IRS puts limitations on how much you can put in in any given year based upon the death benefit. So those are the two limitations you put on. Now, I would like to to remind people, if you're a successful person, if you're a successful business owner, your revenue is going to continue to increase. So what you do, and, and, and I've mentioned this, I have six of these, you simply continue to Add, as you continue to grow revenue, you continue to add contracts along your lifetime. So, th- James, that's a great question. And yes, and we can, we can get as creative as possible to try to do this for you. We could do it on key employees. We could do it on spouses. We could do it on children. That helps you bring more and more of that revenue into a, a contract. So there's a variety of ways we could do this to try to maximize what you're trying to get done. But simply putting all your revenue on you more than likely is not going to be a viable situation because of the limitations of insurance companies and more importantly, the limitations that the U.S. Treasury has on the modified endowment contract laws.
2: Bruce,
1: because um, we're talking about this, let's go ahead to another question. This was from Facebook, from Joey. Um, I contacted my insurance company about how much I could put into my PUAs at this point, And it was not as, not near as much as I had expected. I have a 21, sorry, I have a 21 month $100,000 policy and I've only paid 3,400 into a PUA rider. And they said, I can only put in another 600 right now without mecking it. I was hoping to put my stimulus payment into it, but it seems that I cannot.
0: You know, Joe, uh, that that doesn't sound right to me and and uh i don't know what the insurance company is but i'm telling you home office personnel and i I'm, I'm not trying to disparage but remember home office personnel especially customer service personnel are are not as well versed in in the rules as you might think and you might have to escalate this i would get your agent involved i don't know why you're you're doing this yourself <laughs> Uh, we do this for our uh, policyholders, and, and I'd like to make this offer. If you would like to contact us at the Money Advantage, we will help you through this process and see if we can't help you along. There are, there are uh, ways that the PUAs cannot uh, take as much as a re- the illustration originally said because in, as we have this lower interest rate environment, and now you said it was only 20, I believe you said 20 months.
1: It said 21 months. 21 so. months. Mm-hmm. So
0: that the, what I'm about to say probably doesn't fit, but if the dividends do not produce as well as they thought it was going to be at the original illustration, means that it's not going to buy additional life insurance at that time, which means that the MEC limits would actually come down. Um, so. That could be one, but not not that big a discrepancy from what you're what you're saying. great, great question. We'd be glad to help you and see if we can figure that out for you.
1: And Joey says here, so he was um, still listening here. It didn't seem right to me I am my own agent, but I also asked my mentor and have not heard back.
0: Um, well, I can still I'd still be be glad to help you with that.
1: Awesome, thanks, Bruce, for that. I think we've got most of the questions that were coming in from the YouTube side as well um, right now. Let's, Bruce, before we leave this topic today, I think we just want to maybe separate out and I know you really already talked about this idea with executive bonus and what that can look like. Let's kind of separate out. There's really three uses of whole life insurance specifically in business. I mean, I guess you could do this with term policies as well and, and you can, but there's three main uses that are, that have terms on them, uh, an actual name. There's a buy-sell agreement funding. There is key man insurance and there is executive bonus. Now, all of these are going to be a different way that you're designing a policy, a different owner and beneficiary. But let's just talk really briefly and super high level. And again, this is not going to hit your exact situation and tell you everything you need to know. But here's just an idea or some concepts of how it can work. And um, Bruce, I'll just share a real real big picture on the buy-sell funding, and then I'll let you um, take it from there. So with the buy-sell funding, there's multiple ways that this can be done. There's actually three main ways. I'm only going to talk about the first two, just for simplicity's sake. We'll also, we have a link to a whole podcast that we did just on this topic. But So for instance, say there's two owners, you may have more than two owners, which would further change the matter, but say there's two owners, each business owner can own a policy personally on the other person. So Bruce, you and I could personally purchase life insurance on each other. And then what happens is the company, the death benefit would be paid to the company. So the the beneficiary could be the company itself. What happens then is if I pass away, my death benefit goes to the company. The company then can't now owns all the shares which you can take. Or you can have it in a different way, which is cross-purchase. Um, you know, I think I even said that wrongly. Bruce, maybe you want to correct what I'm saying here, but the business oh. can own the policies on different people, or the, the, the owners can own policies on each other. Ultimately, I think what happens is that the death benefit would end up in one person's hands, which would be used to purchase to buy out the other person.
0: Yeah, either way, either way it works. Um, What you're just you're simply doing is having a, a leveraged up death benefit so that you can purchase the entire shares for the for the surviving owner, and that's that's all it is. Whether it goes to the business and then the business buys the shares, or whether you personally Buy mm-hmm. the shares out. Either way, it works. So that's the first one.
1: And um, Bruce, you said twice here. You said leveraged up death benefit. I know exactly what you mean. I would love for yeah. you to share. What does leveraged up death benefit mean? This is the
0: greatest this is, mean. the greatest. this is the greatest thing about insurance. You know, it's 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 not just life insurance. Uh, many of our listeners know I lost my home in in uh, 2014 to a fire. Complete loss. It, uh, the insurance company paid out. Close to six hundred thousand dollars for my home, and um, you know my normal um, my normal policy premium in that home for the previous four years was eighteen hundred dollars. So if you multiply that eighteen hundred by four, that's seventy two hundred dollars. So that's what I mean by leveraged up. I paid $7,200 and I got a better, a benefit of $600,000 when you use life. Which insurance, I wouldn't,
1: I wouldn't recommend having your house burned down so that you get that leverage. Well, that's actually, let's- <laughs>
0: that's actually called fraud. Uh, yes. And you get in big trouble for that. Yes, but, but that's what happens when you have life, any insurance, life insurance, the same way. So you put in a hundred thousand dollars, depending on your age your habits and your gender. You may get two million dollars worth of coverage. Now, you get two million dollars of coverage for hundred thousand dollars the first year, and then hundred thousand dollars the second year, so on and so forth. But you're never going to you're never going to uh, get less than what you paid in the policy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you put four hundred thousand in after four years, you may have a, a leverage death benefit of two point five million dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean by leverage. You're leveraging four hundred thousand for Two and a half million dollars. The insurance company doesn't happen very often like that. If it did, they wouldn't be in business. That's why they do underwriting. Mm -hmm. But that's why insurance is so valuable to a person because you pay a little bit of a premium relative to the the higher uh, benefit of it. Whether it's a death benefit, whether it's a payout for your house, your car, for disability, for whatever else uh, business owned insurance that you might have business interruption re- insurance, which is big during COVID, you know, a variety of different things. So that's what leverage, leveraged stuff means.
1: I love that. We talked about that here. Bruce, anything you want to say about key man insurance and executive bonus that you have not already discussed?
0: No key man is just simply, and I, and I just recently, uh, met a business owner that we're working on this, where he says, I have a salesperson that if they die, it's going, to really hurt, it's going to really hurt our business. They, they bring in a majority of the revenue. So he wants to take out insurance on this particular person. So once again, if this person dies, they won't have the revenue that this person was bringing in as a salesperson, but they would have a death benefit that would replace that revenue for, in, in this case, he wanted to replace it for two years. Because he thought it would take him at least two years to find another good person. And then that, that person, that salesperson, be able to, to get out on the routes and bring the revenue back to the same level that the previous person did. So that's a key person in your business that you're going to lose revenue if you lose that person and you want to have capital to sustain you if you lose that person. That's key man insurance or key person, ex- mm-hmm. person insurance in, in today's politically correct uh, situation. Key person insurance. That's right. You can also, a very similar thing is executive bonus or deferred compensation where you have, um, he also said now to me, but I don't want the salesperson to leave for somewhere else. How can we keep them? And this is a really key important point. Rachel, with ERISA-based products, ERISA is uh, things like 401Ks, 403Bs, so on and so
2: forth.
0: <clears throat> ERISA a law. You cannot discriminate
2: mm-hmm. against
0: employees. So employees all, if you offer this to your employees, all employees have to get it. But with executive bonus where you use life insurance. You can discriminate, you can say because there's no law against it. You can say, "Hey, I want you to stay with our company and I'm going to sweeten the pot, I am going to put a hundred thousand dollars i'll just use that for example i'm putting a hundred thousand dollars a year into a whole life insurance contract. If you stay after five years, I will change ownership and and maybe most of the beneficiary to you and This is an incentive for a person to stay whatever time period they want. That's an an executive bonus type plan. So there is a variety of ways that you can use life insurance, and it's more advantageous than it does with ERISA type plans, such as tax-deferred plans.
1: And I love that you brought that up. And we may think, well, discriminating is always bad. And I don't like that word in this case, but you can pick and choose or cherry pick your best employees that you want to use this particular tool for. And what yeah, I think I
0: is... That is because that's the, that's yeah. the verb they use. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, frankly, we, dis- we, we discriminate or incentivize uh, employees all the time by how much compensation we give them, right? Exactly. So, so we, I'm going to pay you $30 an hour, but this person I'm only paying $20 an hour. Why? Because I can replace you more quickly than I can put replace this person. So I'm going to incent you to stay mm-hmm. around. That's all perfectly legal. Um, right. Especially if you're not discriminating based upon gender or, or age,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you can do that as far as uh, titles. Cause they do more. Now we're getting into, um, uh, employment laws, and we probably ought to. I probably ought to stop right now, or we're going to go down a rabbit hole that's uh, <laughs> not, not for this podcast. So
1: that's all right. Well, we can uh, come back to any of that later. What I think is really interesting, though, is when we talk about infinite banking at all, there's infinite uses of infinite banking. And what's profound is that not only are you building up this cash value. You also have the death benefit. You also have this cash that you can borrow against. It's going to continue uninterrupted compounding no matter how many times you take a loan against it. So it's already multitasking. Really, it's doing a lot of grunt work. I mean, you could think of this as um, you know, the, the gears are turning tremendously. You're putting more workhorses in the harness to do more things with the same dollars. Now, here's something interesting. You could design a policy that is set up to fund a buy-sell agreement. That also is key man insurance if your key men are two business owners and the business could own that policy and the owners are the insured and the business is the beneficiary. The business could then say, well, we don't have that need anymore, or we want to switch the ownership to having the um, ownership and the beneficiary switch out to the, the key men or the business owners' families which would then be like a executive bonus or golden handcuffs is another term for that. What's interesting is that you can use the same policy to do multiple things. And that's what I'm pointing out here. What's interesting about that is then even if you, the business is funding a policy on your key person as an executive bonus plan, you and they own the policy, they um, are the beneficiary on their own policy, you, the business or the corporation can restrict their use or the ability to get to that cash value, maybe on a vesting schedule, like in five years, they can access the cash. And so it's an incentive for them to stay on longer. What's just interesting about this whole thing is that you can do so many more things, even layering on these ideas of buy-sell insurance or, or buy-sell funding, executive bonus, key insurance. You can do multiple of those with the same policy that you're using to build cash value in the business. So just a profound tool. And uh, before we leave this show as well, Mike Stanley, thanks for listening in on YouTube. We know you personally. you've been on our show. He said in estate planning, I call this discounted dollars when using life insurance. And that was he commented while you were talking about the idea of a leveraged up. Yeah death Mike
0: benefit. that's Mike, that's a very good point, and thank you. And we haven't even talked about this, is that you know these uh, these policies that the business owners have on themselves can also be used, uh, if you're very, very successful, you're going to have an estate tax problem. Matter in fact, I, uh, one of our other advisors with the Money Advantage just talked to somebody on Monday that has $80 million of real estate. And uh, he had no idea, and I find this fascinating, Rachel, but people don't understand what the estate tax is. And, and he had no idea that when he passes, that the, the potential to have a great, huge tax on his estate is, is there. Especially now, as we were talking today on St. Patty's Day of 2021, with the current uh, presidential administration, they're talking about getting rid of the step-up in basis for capital gains. And if that happens, there's going to be even more tax on estates that are passed from one generation to the other. I just said this a couple of weeks ago. I'm from St. Louis. We lost, I believe, we lost the St. Louis Rams to Los Angeles because when Georgia Frontieri um, died, her estate um, had to be paid, or estate taxes had to be paid by her estate. And they didn't have any liquid money. It was all tied up. They had cash flow. It was all tied up in the St. Louis Rams, and it was, and they, and the Rams were worth over a billion dollars. But, but the, her children had to sell the the majority ownership in order to pay the taxes. And then the minority owner became the majority owner, and then he moved the Rams. Mm-hmm. So this happens on a daily basis. With very successful business owners, Yes, still do not plan succession plans. And Mike, I, we know Mike very well, and you know he, he really is in tune with this, and mm-hmm. I, I thank you, Mike, for talking about that, because you can do the same thing uh, for estate planning. So thank you, Mike, for, for commenting on that.
1: This has been a really, really good show. I think we're actually um, up to the hour now. We started a little bit late. Um, But I really hope that this has been eye-opening and insightful for you. Thank you so much for joining in live and asking your questions. And um, hopefully, we were able to answer the questions that are on your mind about how to use infinite banking in your business. Now, I want to be really clear about one really important point before we leave. And that is that we talk a lot about infinite banking. We talk about how you can use it and how valuable it is to you and all the benefits you get from it and why you should do this. However, it is one step in a much bigger journey to building time and money freedom. It is not the one end all be all, get an infinite banking policy and your whole life is going to be better. This is one piece first, you need to be profitable. You need to be maximizing the cash that you're making and keeping as much of it as possible. That goes through being aware of your cash value or cash flows and having the right mindset on your money and plugging your money leaks and then protecting the money that you make. This is through insurance and through legal protection with infinite banking. And that is your protection component. And in addition, then you want to say, how do I turn my dollars into as much as possible, specifically with investments that I know and control that I have ownership of so that I'm going to use my money to make more. And if you are doing these steps, I applaud you. If you think that you have the opportunity to do them better, you probably are 100% accurate. And I would really encourage you to reach out to our company and our team, because I think one of the greatest advantages in life is having the ability to share your situation with somebody else who can see your blind spot and help you see from a different perspective what you may already feel or know, but just were not aware of. And that is the advantage that we have to bring to you to help you increase the money that you are making and truly not just have a good income, not just have a few key pieces in place, but to have a well-designed strategy built out to accomplish time and money freedom. So you can book a call with our team at themoneyadvantage.com calendar. If you just go to themoneyadvantage.com, you'll find everything that you need right there. And if for some reason you're jumping on this podcast right now and you're saying, wow, this infinite banking thing is really interesting, but this is the very first time I've ever heard anything like this. We invite you to learn more if you're not ready for a conversation directly yet. You can go to privatizedbankingsecrets.com. We have a free guide, a video course there that helps you understand really what this is, this tool of using infinite banking, which is whole life insurance and borrowing against it and how that boosts your investment returns, how that gives you more security and safety. And so you're doing a lot more with the same dollars with less risk. So those are some resources for you today. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe. If you are a podcast listener, we have on on all the podcast channels, you can subscribe to our podcast over at The Money Advantage. If you're on Facebook, please like and comment and follow us on Facebook. If you're on LinkedIn catching this afterwards, please go ahead and follow us there as well. And we would love to hear your feedback and input and questions. And you are what propel us to keep going and to keep delivering this value because your success really matters. To us. So thank you so much for listening in today. Bruce, anything you want to share before we wrap up?
0: No, keep it simple. And um, your eyes will be open to all the infinite possibilities.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you. In closing, remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love.